This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome to episode 26 of the Clip City Podcast. I'm your host, Jovan Buha, Clippers beat writer for The Athletic. Today I'm joined, or tonight I should say, it is 8.30 at night. Uh, I'm joined by my good buddy, a, a multi-hyphenate, Jack Appleby. Uh, he's a 15-year Clippers fan, and you know that, that's not a full-time job. So what, what pays the bills is he is the director of creative strategy at Midnight Oil, which is an advertising agency that focuses on branding and tech, entertainment, and video games. But for today's purposes, he is a Clippers fan. Uh, Jack, how are you doing? I'm good. I, I wish I could get just just get paid as a Clippers fan. That'd be ideal. <laughs> um, but paychecks are important. Um, also, branding and advertising is super fun. So super excited to talk about all this stuff today. So yeah, I normally don't do this, but you should follow Jack on Twitter, on Instagram, uh, at JuiceboxCA. I usually say that to the end of the podcast, but... Uh, let's get that out of the way right now. Uh, if you are listening to this and you aren't following him, uh, you should check him out. And he, he does weigh in on Clipper stuff every now and, and then. Um, and he, he goes to games all the time. So uh, he's definitely a good follow. <laughs> I appreciate it. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of marketing stuff. But I try to I sneak in my, uh, my Kawhi and PG talk as much as humanly possible without annoying everybody that follows me for advertising advice. <laughs> <laughs> so today, you know, this podcast idea got sparked by an, an interesting text you sent me uh, about the the Clippers branding and this potential talk of them rebranding in 2024 when they you know are, are supposed to leave Staples Center, go into their new uh, arena in Inglewood. And I, I think it's called the like entertainment uh, and like basketball complex in Inglewood or something like that. Um, I'm blanking now off the top of my head, but I, you know, and Steve Ballmer gave an interview to the LA Times where he told them that everything's on the table in terms of a potential rebrand, uh, whether that's changing the color, changing the logo, even changing the name, which got that was kind of the, the thing that stirred the pot the most with people on Twitter. Uh, so just wanted to start off asking you as someone who deals with advertising and branding and, uh, you know, across multiple genres, um, you know, what in your eyes, as objectively as possible, is the Clippers brand? Yeah, I mean, so I've been a fan. I always say I've been a 15 year fan because I, I jumped ship from the Lakers the second Shaq got traded. Because I was a huge Shaq fan. So I was like, okay, I'm done. I can't do Kobe. Like, give me a new team. Clippers are right here. They were super fun. So I kind of came on board, like, at a good point of like my childhood where I was like, okay, this is a fun team to watch. But in those 15 years, like, it's been so many trial and error moments like with the team and kind of the brand itself that like in a lot of ways, like do we even have a brand if we're being really honest, like, like being in LA, like it's a Laker city, like yeah. it always has been. And rightfully so 16 rings. God knows if I get that yelled at me one more time, I'm going to flip, but there's just, there hasn't been much to the 
quote unquote Clippers brand. Like as we look back over the last decade or so, like we had Lob City. Lob City was probably the strongest brand moment, like air quotes, that we've had in a very long time with Blake, CP, DJ. But I mean, as we all know, totally failed to deliver on promise, like a couple of tremendous flameouts in the playoffs. Um, and those guys didn't even like playing with each other towards the end. Like it was visibly not fun basketball to watch the last couple of years. Top that off with Blake taking swings at trainers and, and all of that nonsense. And it's just like the Clippers, like, again, like even as a fan, like it's not like alternative or edgy that I'm a Clippers fan. Like most people are like, oh, that's adorable. You like the Clippers. There's no reason to like the Clippers. Yeah, and I said this recently on a podcast where really, like you said, Lob City has been the closest thing they've had to a brand. But Lob City was almost like a knockoff of Showtime where it was kind of like the flashy, like, you know, fast breaks, dunking, like kind of the the glitz and glamour, like, you know, for, you know, despite being the quote unquote second team, the little brother, whatever you want to call them in L.A. compared to the Lakers, they kind of were that, you know, Chris and Blake were, were both top five in the league in terms of commercials and endorsements and that type of stuff for a few years there. And it was kind of, it almost felt like a kind of knock, you know, Lob City, Showtime, like the, there are some similarities there. Uh, and that just has never felt kind of congruent with who the Clippers are, who their fans are. And, and that's where I do think we're starting to see a bit of a brand shift over the last couple of years with this new, you know, blue collar, black top type mentality for, from, you know, Steve Ballmer and, and kind of on down throughout the organization, the front office, the, the coaching staff, and a lot of the players, Pat Beverly, Lou Williams, Montrez Harrell, uh, I think Kawhi Leonard and, and Paul George both fit into that identity as well as a superstar uh, or you know two superstars can. So I think we are starting to see a, a shift in a, a brand being built with the Clippers over the last couple of years. But you know, ultimately, I think any successful kind of brand that there is a level of winning that's kind of associated with that. Like we, we think of Showtime because the Lakers won five championships in the eighties and it, you know, it, it was the best product on the court, uh, you know, during that span. And, you know, you think of the MJ bulls and um, you know, their, their iconic intros that kind of changed the way, you know, teams were introduced and, and kind of made it more of a show and, just on and on and on, like kind of, there are these sort of, you know, brand even more recently, like the Heatles or or these Warriors and stuff. Like a lot of people, like it, it kind of gets built organically when you have a good product, when you have a winning product. So I, I do think that the Clippers are kind of in the middle of building that. Uh, I wouldn't say they, they've completely built that yet, but it does seem to be trending towards the we're the anti Lakers, we're the we're the blue collar team, we're the hard nosed team. We are anti, you know, glitz, glamour, Hollywood. You know, as as Pat Beverly said it last season, we're for the people in the back, and, and I think that that's totally. That's kind of <laughs> yeah, no, that that's exactly. I think I think it's right, and I, I think you're 100 percent right in that the, the brand is like becoming something special with that kind of blue collar touch. Um, it's still to be wrong. Like we're seeing, you mentioned a lot of very iconic teams over the last couple of years, and we've seen kind of the evolution of basketball as a brand overall go long past the sport. I mean, we always read the headlines about LeBron and Space Jam 2 and everyone's post-career aspirations now. That's becoming true of the teams as well. Whereas in the last year or two, it feels like the Clippers have built um, what is a really interesting backbone for a Los Angeles-related brand, which is the very blue-collar, very hardworking, very hustle-based. Like everything in Los Angeles is, is based on 
being star-studded and and just as bright as humanly possible, it's something different. And it does stand out kind of among LA sports and LA in general because it's based on hardworking guys who have had success. Um, and like you said, the success is such a big part of it. Like, do, do you have something that, sh- that actually works? Suddenly, any kind of brand is justified when it works. The Spurs people wouldn't be interested in if they hadn't won so many damn times over the last two decades. Yeah, even the even the Spurs have a brand of like we're boring, like <laughs> our colors are exactly. black, white, and silver, and like you know, uh, Pop doesn't play into you know he's never played into the media narratives. Uh, Tim Duncan never did. Kawhi when he was a Spur never did. So like e- even the Spurs, for as bland as their brand might be, I agree. I, I couldn't agree more with that. Yeah, I mean, and with this, the LAR way, which I really like, like, I think what the Clippers have done is built something that fans can really believe in. Like, I don't think it's exceeding the like, the Clipper fan right now. I don't think it's breaking into the wider NBA yet. But I think for the Clippers fans that have been here for a while, seeing LAR way, identifying that with how the players are playing, um, how some of like the social media content comes out, like, it feels something true to who we are that is, again, working. Whereas it wasn't that long ago that the Clippers were fronting that whole uh, it takes everything language, which was ridiculous contextually to who they had. Like those guys like CP and Blake couldn't even get along on the floor at that time. And there's this big brand message of it takes everything. Or like, yeah, we know we wish our players could get along so we could actually do the damn thing. <laughs> so I, I think the big elephant in the room with all of this, and, and we just touched on it a, a few minutes ago, but there's the Lakers. And the Lakers, I almost couldn't think of a of a worse team to have another team with. You know, when you're looking at like like adding a second team to LA next to the Lakers, they're really almost not even in the NBA, but like almost looking at across sports, like really the only teams you could maybe put up against them uh, would be like the Cowboys and the Yankees. But even in New York, you have the Mets who have carved out their own. Like kind of niche over the last you know few decades, and and they they've won some World Series, and like they have a, a very loyal, large, and and you know kind of vocal fan base, you know. So I guess maybe the Cowboys would would be kind of the equivalent of like if you just started another team uh, in, in Dallas, and kind of the the struggles of, of building that brand and building that fan base, because the Lakers, you know, really, I, I this is truly what I like. They are the the global team of the NBA of potentially all of you know U.S. American sports. Like they're the team, and you know that that I just think it it makes things so difficult for the Clippers because because they're both in the same city, and because the Lakers have been you know the last six years notwithstanding so historically dominant. You know they've always had the stars. You go through the top ten players of all time. I think at this point they've had like six or seven of them. Like it's it's just ridiculous the the embarrassment of riches that the Lakers have had for sixty seven years, and that is in such stark contrast to what the Clippers have had the last thirty forty years. Where you know I, I just looked this up randomly um, as I was writing a story. Like until this Lob City era, you know the, the post Chris Paul, post Blake Griffin era, the Clippers had never been five hundred or better for for consecutive seasons more than twice over a forty year span. So I was like, they've literally always been bad. Whether it was Buffalo, whether it was LA, whether it was San Diego, they've always just been bad. You know, even pre Sterling. So you know, they've had their moments. They've had you know, uh, Bob McAdoo won an MVP uh, as a Buffalo Brave. Like they, they've had their moments of, of success, like kind of here or there, these little blips. But you have probably the worst you know pound for pound franchise in the league. 
versus probably the best pound for pound franchise in the league in the same city. And I think that's just given, you know, so much has changed in the last decade. And we saw it start with Blake and, uh, you know, trading for Chris and then Steve Ballmer buying the team and, and the success they had, even if it wasn't a championship or conference finals, you know, they were a successful team. They were, I think over that stretch had the third best win percentage in the league behind the Spurs and the Thunder. Like there was a lot of success in that era, but it ultimately did not culminate in a championship. And, you know, now it's kind of led to this era. And I think we're probably going to see a championship or a finals berth, or at least a conference finals berth with Kawhi and PG. But I'm just curious from your perspective and your opinion, like how much does that Lakers shadow kind of, you know, make things even harder for the Clippers when even if they were in a different city, they would still have the the 30, 40 years of futility to kind of get over. But on top of that, you have the Lakers right across the hall where everything they do is leading sports center, is leading Twitter, whatever. And it's just like it's just it's such a big mountain to climb, in my opinion. Yeah, no, I mean, the disparity is tremendous. I mean, ESPN used to do those uh, rankings of every sports franchise. And if I remember correctly, the Clippers were dead last in all of sports for multiple seasons. Whereas the Lakers, like, they are, forget sports, the Lakers are one of the strongest brands in the world, completely outside of sports. Um, And they continue to do a tremendous job. Like, yeah, the season didn't go last year the way they thought it would. But the summer coming in where LeBron came in, I thought they actually did an amazing job. Like they debuted the slightly brighter neon yellow color. That thing was just everywhere in LA as people were buying LeBron jerseys. I thought all the content they put out to support the way the team was headed was really amazing. Like they have done a, they continue to do a really good job, even when that they're kind of down and maybe not performing as we all expect. So to build anything like is incredibly tough. Like they're uh, one of the, the, saddest moments for me as a Clipper fan was I, I've been going to games uh, pretty much as long as I've been a fan um, and even more recently but a couple of years ago an old girlfriend's family wanted to get to know me so like oh we want to take him to a basketball game we know he's a basketball fan didn't know I was a Clippers fan so they got us Laker tickets um, and we went to the Lakers game and it was during Kobe's final uh, season where he was taking so many games off it was like Lakers magic and it was one of the games where it was just like the worst game in the world. Kobe sat. Um, it was unwatchable basketball. It's like Nick Young leading the leading scoring. Yeah, that was bad. It was awful. But the thing that disheartened me the most was that the energy of the crowd during an awful Lakers game was like 10x a Clippers crowd during a great game. I couldn't believe it how the it seemed like the Lakers fans were just so much more in at all times. Whereas a lot of times when I go to Clipper games, like, and don't get me wrong, like I, I'm lucky enough to get in, sit in some good seats and be surrounded by some real fans. It feels very casual at a Clipper game a lot of the time. And I want it to get to be this, this heavier basketball culture where we're very excited about it, who his team is. But it feels like a, I mean, I joke that it's a first date vibe half the time. Instead of a hardcore basketball environment, and look, we're 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 not we're not trying to hammer on the Clippers right now by any we're means. Not. I just think we're 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 presenting the challenge that I think is a legitimate one. Where I, I think that, and I think that's where them getting their own arena is so big, and it's you know, it it almost like in any other city or with almost any other team, I think it's just like a nice thing to have. It's a nice upgrade. It's you know whatever you might get more fans or, or just more revenue by, by, you know, uh, new building and, and kind of like, you're going to see with, with the warriors and the chase center, like they didn't really need to leave Oracle arena necessarily, but by switching over to San Francisco, uh, and, and probably having even higher ticket prices, 
they're going to you know three or four x their revenues uh you know by next season or whatever now that might change because they're not as good of a team but you know point being like i think for most teams a new arena is a nice upgrade for the clippers i think it's almost everything where now you know you're seeing so i i blanked on it earlier but it's the inglewood basketball and entertainment complex the ibec so that's going to be the entire complex that houses their arena the arena is going to you know they're going to need a sponsor and then they obviously might change the the team name so you know it will, we'll see what they end up calling it but um you know that i think is just so important for the clippers because e- even now when they became good or, over the last 7 8 years you had the whole like covering up the banners thing after doc got there and, and the backlash and and how many memes there have been of you know the the clippers covering up uh you know not only the lakers banners but the sparks and, and taylor swift and it's just like non-stop poking fun at them and i think them having their own arena being able to set their dates and it's like hey if the lakers have a friday night game we'll also have a friday night game and go head to head with them and, and see who has the better product you know who, who has the more interesting game that night uh whereas right now like i know from covering the team like it's a lot of saturday and sunday morning games and it's a lot of just games where you can kind of tell like when I see the Lakers schedule versus the Clippers schedule, it's very obvious who has the the better the better games that just the the better priority in terms of when they play. Like it, it's very obvious if you just look at the, the two schedules and compare them. The schedules are coming out tomorrow. Uh, re- recording this right now, it is Sunday night. Uh, schedule is going to come out twelve o'clock Pacific time on Monday. Look at the two schedules and you will see who has the more ideal schedule. It's going to be the Lakers. So I, I think for the Clippers, just being able to branch out have their own identity, uh, you know, have a arena on the other side of town, you know, a good 30 to 45 minutes without traffic uh, from Staples Center. Like that is going to be huge for them. And, and you know, Steve Ballmer's vision of having this wall of sound that's almost like a, a soccer field or a basketball court in Europe where you're going to have like the craziest fans behind one side of the basket and just, you know, they're looking into the seat cushions. Like what what's the ideal size and, and kind of width for a seat almost like a movie theater and then what's the most comfortable seating and, and just they're looking into every single detail uh, of you know h- how many bathroom like what's the ideal bathroom range and, and how many toilets stalls and all this stuff like they're going into the weeds with, with you know every single detail to make sure it is the best arena not just in in the u.s but across the world and i, I think for the clippers that is as important as anything because I, I just think being the third tenant in Staples Center is also its own disadvantage that has really hurt them. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that's that's all super well said. And it's it's funny. We started this pod talking about kind of historical and, and the big elephant in the room, which sets up kind of for the, the negative Clippers history conversation and me coming off as kind of the, the sad, broken fan at different times. But like truly, I've never been more excited to be a Clippers fan, which is it's not revolutionary to say we just pulled off one of the greatest trades ever and got two MVP candidates on our team. But even last year, like I got to go to maybe somewhere between five and 10 games. Like there's something very special happening with this team, with this organization, um, with Ballmer. I just, I can't say enough good things about what Steve Ballmer brings to the NBA. Like he's a new owner who seems to be very analytical, seems to be truly looking at the products, everything from how broadcasts are being displayed. Like what is the right location for the team? What do we do branding wise? Who do we bring in personnel wise? Like it seems very considered. And I think it often gets lost in his, his big brash personality. 
Yeah. But this guy cares about this organization. And if we look at it since he's come, like pretty much nothing but good moves. Like you got to give him a year or two to kind of get into the role, understand what it's like to be an owner, see what he's got. But as soon as he kind of turned the keys and started taking over and making some of his shifts, like we're pretty much perfect. Like as far as where we're headed, like I couldn't complain about one thing. Yeah, no. I mean, I, even like the the one thing I didn't like over the last, and, and it's crazy how like most moves have ended up, even if you like them in the moment, they've ended up being even better. So it was like the Blake Griffin trade. It was kind of like, all right, well, okay, they're they're getting off the money. They're, they're you know they're they're getting younger. They're getting more flexible financially. Like they kind of were sort of hard capped at like a certain level where you know that core of Gallo and and Blake and DJ that that's like maybe a second round team on, on a good year when everything breaks right. Otherwise, that's probably a, a first round and out team. So you, you trade him, you get Tobias, uh, you get Boban, Avery, and some picks, and it's like okay, well. This Tobias guy, like, you know, maybe he can be a, a nice, you know, at that point he was kind of more of a support player. Um, you know, like he was the second leading scorer in Detroit, but no one really viewed him in that mold. Then all of a sudden he kind of took off with the Clippers and he became a legitimate all-star candidate. Uh, he ended up getting max money this summer, but then they flipped him to Philly and, you know, for Landry Shamit and uh, Mike Muscala, who they flipped for Avica Zubats and they got some picks from Philly and, the, you know, they've been flipping things on and on and it almost just feels like every flip they've done has gotten even better than you expected. And, um, you know, like that Mo Harkless trade, they got that first round pick in the Mo Harkless trade that they ended up flipping, you know, for Paul George. So it's like every little move they've made, I think has always not only looked good in the moment for the most part, but ended up being even better later on, uh, you know, six months, 12 months down the road, once you kind of have the long view of, of what they're doing. So um, I, I'm in agreement with you. Like, I, I think, uh, we're going to touch on a little bit more of like the Steve era towards the end of the podcast, but I, I think that is kind of, you know, of anything that I think gives you hope for the Clippers, not just five years from now when when Kawhi and, and Paul George will be ending their primes and, and kind of entering a different stage of their career probably, but, you know, 10 years from now, 20 years from now, 30 years from now, when we're in our 50s uh, and 60s, like looking at kind of where the Clippers are in LA and, and just the NBA landscape. Like I think Steve Ballmer is the thing that gives you the most confidence of all. Agreed. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it really has been tremendous and, and I, I've never been so, I said this earlier, but I've never been so excited. Like even as we look from a, and obviously I'm in ads. So I look at it from a brand perspective as much as a basketball perspective, like what they pulled off this summer in getting two superstars who actually fit with the mindset and mantra of the current team who are currently being marketed in a way that is a differentiator where it's the blue collar LA our way work hard type of environments. It's a kind of a dream scenario in every possible way, especially as you look at them as, I mean, you could either look at it as an anti-hero to the Lakers or you could look at it as a hero's journey for the Clippers. Like, and mm -hmm. when you're building a brand based on this type of like hard work mantra, the really the validation comes through success because it's not the most on paper at first glance, it's not the most exciting brand to be building to be like, Oh, we work hard and that's why we win, but they have proven it. They won last season. They made the playoffs after um, they traded Tobias, which was not expected. They had that huge win over the warriors in the playoffs, like with success comes brand and it's all piecing together to become something where now we can actually start to develop fans besides like, people like myself and yourself and, and the core fans who have enjoyed the organization. Like we can now spread a message 
to everyone. Like, this is what it means to be a Clippers fan. This is what it means to, to enjoy the team. This is what the players stand for. This is what the organization stand for. We've never had that. Whereas the team in the same building can comfortably say, like, we represent excellence and be very honest about that. Now we have a message to share where I think the fan development is going to be really huge here in a way that people aren't going to expect. So you just touched on something I find really interesting. Let's take a quick break and hear from our sponsor, and then we'll get into it. Football season is here, people. It's time to start placing your bets for NFL and college football. Blue Wire is teaming up with sports information traders and the legend John Price, one of the world's most successful sports bettors. So our listeners are given the chance to make more money on football this season. Go to sportsinformationtraders.com slash blue and get the college football and NFL future plays to make up to 15x your money for only a $99 investment. Last year, sports information traders correctly predicted the Clemson Tigers to win the college football championship, making one client alone $110,000. The year before that, Kurt Presley of sports information traders made $1 million with a preseason wager on the Philadelphia Eagles to win the Super Bowl. John Price and the Sports Information Traders team can guide you on the best ways to make money on future bets and preseason football betting picks. You get all of that for just $99 and the opportunity to make 15 times your money. It's totally worth getting Sports Information Traders betting picks. Sports Information Traders has been featured in ESPN, Gambling911.com, Entrepreneur Magazine, and many more. John Price has been successfully making money betting on sports for over 20 years. Make a big return for a small investment with Sports Information Traders future picks. Get started now by going to sportsinformationtraders.com slash blue. Again, make sure you go to sportsinformationtraders.com slash blue to have your chance at a 15x return this football betting season. You just touched on something that I find interesting because I've been going back and forth on this on um, just the whole topic of of the rebrand and the potential rebrand of, of the Clippers and what that would mean and, and what that would indicate. And to me, I just think that there is such a stigma on the name Clippers and, you know, just kind of, well, I mean, they've changed the logo, which a lot of people don't like, but just, you know, that, that, that whatever is that, what, uh, seven, eight letter word. I, I can't, you know, it's almost nine o'clock at night. I'm tired, but you know, basically point being like, I just think that, you know, Clipper fans are nostalgic about it. You know, whenever you got into the Clippers, most likely their name was the Clippers that, you know, they weren't the Braves, but there are some Braves fans out there. So like you associate all of your memories, all of your success and failures and, and the, you know, the pros and cons of being a Clipper fan with that name. And so I completely understand why it seems like nine out of 10 Clipper fans do not want them to change their name. But to the point that you just kind of made, you know, of them getting their, you know, starting their own brand, uh, eventually getting their own arena and just kind of this new journey that they're on as a franchise, I do think that the final step might have to be them changing their name because you just see it now. Like you turn on TV and there will be random, you know, moments and and shots at at the Clippers. Like, you know, the the family guy that they made jokes about South Park, uh, you know, even I, I forgot about this. My my mom just reminded me about this. But in the movie Bewitched, uh, Will Ferrell, <laughs> when they're sharing secrets, uh, Will Ferrell, you know, shares that he's a Clippers fan and he's super embarrassed. And it's like those things are trickled throughout pop culture, uh, TV, movies, uh, you know, 
even some music like it's just it's so ingrained that you know the, the you know the clippers are you have that i always bring up the the si cover where you have the two clippers fans with with paper bags on their head and it's just like the clippers have been so associated with with failure and and just the, you know being a joke and all this stuff for so long that you know yes i think it is it has shifted dramatically over the last decade but there still is that kind of stuff that lingers and i think for them to kind of break through that last wall to enter more of as a national team and as a national brand and and just branch out from just you know the clipper fan base they already have i think a big part could be potentially changing their name now obviously you don't want to butcher that and and pick the wrong name so i don't really know you know what the right name is and you got to be really careful with that cuz i think you've you've seen some some pretty uh, bad switches or, or just bad team names in, in general uh, throughout different sports. But for my money, I, I do think that the last kind of hurdle for them might be putting the, the Clippers name to rest. Now, the, the caveat, of course, is that if they win a title before 2024, which is very realistic, it's going to be hard to change the name after you won a title. And, and maybe at that point, winning a title washes away all the pain, all, all the, you know, all, all the what ifs of, of Sean Livingston and you know, Danny Manning and uh, even Lamar Odom and, and just kind of on and on, Darius Miles, like on and on and on, all these what ifs, all these painful kind of memories, like maybe that stuff's gone if you want a title. But I, for, from where I'm sitting and in my perspective on it, I, I just think that it's such a, you know, that kind of might be the final thing where it's like, let's just change this name, something else, new arena, new name, kind of new everything, new colors, new logo. And let's just have a completely brand new start from here on out. And I think, I don't know, how do you feel about that? See, this is great because now I get to be the very positive Clipper fan in this moment because I actually <laughs> I actually disagree. Um, I am on team keep the name, um, although you mentioned kind of the asterisk that I would. To me, there's nothing. I mean, this is both, again, as a Clippers fan um, and then as someone who works in branding and advertising. To me, there's nothing stronger um, than an underdog. There's nothing stronger than a come-up story. And right now, I mean, we saw a cultural shift when kind of the Vegas odds came out this summer and was like, uh, the Clippers are legitimately favorites to win the NBA championship. Like, it's never, never happened, happened before. before. Even Yeah, never. Never happened. Like, Lob City at its best was like, oh, the Clippers might be able to contend. Um, and we never truly got there. Now we are a legitimate favorite to win the whole damn thing. Um, and this is a moment where we can have val- – for the current fans, we can have validation for support for this long. Um, for new fans, something new to stand for to support this team. So right now, this is almost to me the hold moments because if we can do something special with what we have, um, that doesn't happen. It, it's like – it's almost like the Mighty Ducks movies. You take a ragtag group and the come-up story is just so powerful. Um, you can't top that. Now, if for some reason we don't either win a finals or we don't make the finals at all or, God forbid, Kawhi leaves after two years, I think then there's a legitimate argument for really changing the full thing like and just dropping all of the Clippersness um, and trying to completely differentiate yourself. But to me, if we win one or even get to the finals and look to have the next five to ten years as an excellent franchise – Um, I think it's kind of paying off what Balmer is. I don't see the need to change that. Now, that doesn't mean there's not parts of of the current brand identity that I would change. Um, I don't know if you want to get into that yet, but there are definitely things I would change. The name's not one. Yeah, no. Let's get into it. So what what would you change? 
So, so I mean, we saw the big there. There's so there's a lot that I like and a lot that I don't like. I think we saw the kind of the brand, the visual brand change in 2015 um, when it was the first rebrand, and it was pretty rough. Um, if anybody like, if you do a quick Google, you can go find that rebranding deck that leaked. Um, and it's got a lot of the ridiculous language that comes in a rebranding deck where it's like, oh, there's a, a horizon line underneath the Clippers logo to represent the view over the ocean. Or uh, my personal favorite one was, and this is a quote from that rebranding deck that leaked. You can find this online right now. The silver lining in the Clippers word mark alludes to the new collective optimism of Clippers Nation, which is ridiculous um it's one of those things as we look at brand storytelling it's important to to have reasons for design um so people can understand that these are kind of silly things not cool nuanced things and things that a casual fan would never understand like if you look at the actual uh, the vertical logo with the c encapsulating the la that's actually supposed to represent the clippers um, being comfortable and surrounding the city of los angeles and embracing los angeles that doesn't actually come through in the brand storytelling it's it's unrealistic to expect someone to see that so i'm not a big fan of the logo um i will say it's gotten better when Nike took over the jersey and there was a light rebrand, I think the jerseys themselves have gotten significantly better. Um, I like the association look. I like the icon look. Um, because of the stacked logo, I do not care for the black statement jerseys. Not a fan. Yeah, I, I'm with so. So I actually like the the old logo that they had uh, basically from '84 through 2015. They modified it a little bit in 2010. But I mean, look, it, it was basically a knockoff of of the Lakers logo, so I, yeah. I get why it was probably um, you know t- time to to change that. But I really like that Clippers writing. Uh, you know, I think that um, they had that in their jersey. What? Well, let me see uh, here. It was like, yeah, in the eighties, that was their the the font on, on their jersey, which I thought looked really good. Um, I also really like the, the the cursive. You know, back you know eighties through. Uh, late 80s through the, you know, kind of late uh, 2000s, sort of before that 2015 rerun. Uh, I thought the the cursive Clippers font, it was a great font and uh, not as big of a fan of the Los Angeles one. And that one's gone entirely because now they, they rebranded and, uh, you know, something that people uh, don't really know or, you know, a lot of people don't even know, even though it was out there. Uh, is that the Clippers did officially change their name from the Los Angeles Clippers to the LA Clippers. They are not the Los Angeles Clippers. Uh, Which I like. They are LA, which I like too. No, I thought that was a brilliant move. It was a nice little subtlety that uh, differentiated them from the Lakers because, again, like kind of that Laker shadow of like the Los Angeles Lakers, like that's just, you know, that's its own iconic type thing. And the Clippers differentiated it. Now you see it on, uh, you know, The Athletic and ESPN and anywhere else you go, you know, they should be referred to as the LA Clippers, not the Los Angeles Clippers. That is the incorrect uh, way to refer to them. But yeah, I mean, I, I think that to me, the thing I don't really like about the current, I actually, I, I like the LA encapsulated by the C. I, I like that logo. I also like it on the basketball. I know some people don't like either of those logos. I do like them. I do not like the Clippers font of, I guess, their official logo um, and what's on their jerseys. I just, I don't, it, you know, it's kind of too... It's like clean, but it's it's like clean in a weird way. And uh, again, you have those, you know, you have the lines above and below. And I just think it, it, you know, it's the kind of the, the joke of people say it looks like it was 
something that was designed in Excel or, or you know Microsoft Word, or whatever. Like that's kind of what it looks like. So to me, I think it would be cool to go back to sort of the older generation, whether you want to pick the '80s, '90s, or, or early 2000s, and kind of update that and and kind of go back to that. But to me, like I, I just don't. You know what they have right now. I think has to be changed. Uh, Probably everything. Like I would change everything personally, but if you want to keep the name, that's fine. Uh, But I think you do have to probably change the logo or at least the font on the jerseys and kind of restructure that. And then I actually think they should change the colors too. Uh, I don't know how you feel about that. Yeah, I'm mixed. Like I'm I'm mixed on the colors. Yeah. So I mean, with the colors, like it's funny. Like, and I've got them pulled up in front of me right now. Like, like I do like the current. Like I mentioned, I like the current association icon edition jerseys, the white and the blue, um, with the asymmetrical shorts, with the kind of the silver gray ribbing along the jersey and shorts. I think they're clean looking. I think they fit that kind of blue collar aesthetic, like a little more like uniform in the sense of work uniform, less than jersey uniform, which I think fits. Now. And, and as far as the font goes, like I could take it or leave it. Like it doesn't necessarily do anything for me, but when it reads clippers across the chest, fine. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm good with that. It doesn't bother me whatsoever. That said, I think the thing that the clippers have done really exceptionally well the last two years is their city edition jerseys. So yeah. the, and, and I know the, the most recent ones based on the 1984 Olympic team. Um, I'll admit that right off the bat, I was like, oh, this looks like the starter logo. This is not what I'm looking for. But when I saw them on court, I saw Tobias wearing them, saw Lou wearing them. I, w- I was fully in. Like I liked that kind of retro-y look. Um, and even the year yeah, before no. that, which is actually my favorite look, was the 17-18 the City Edition, which was the baby blue and orange nautical jerseys where it had yes. the shorts that were asymmetrical. Like That is by far my favorite look. Um, I think it's a look that actually really fits with the way you're seeing brands and people buy kind of retail at this moment where it's it's very bright colors. It's very loud. I think it's very appropriate for Los Angeles. Does it does it kind of move away maybe from kind of the the vibe and mantra that the Clippers are building? Maybe a little bit. Um, and I think if they do do a full color rebrand, I don't know if revisiting the past would be the way that they would go considering they're so future focused. Um, but I will say look-wise, that's something I continue to just love is how those powder blues look. So I, I was just asked about this uh, on a recent mailbag I did on The Athletic. And I've actually changed my stance. That that was only like a week ago. But I've changed my stance slightly in that. So what I said, which I, I believe in, you know, you think of certain colorways with certain teams where, you know, you, you hear purple and gold or purple and yellow you think of the Lakers, you hear blue and orange, you think of the Knicks, you think, you you know, you hear green or green and white, you think of the Celtics, on and on. Even the Warriors, I think, have kind of entered that where you see the, the blue and yellow and you, you think of the Warriors. Uh, with the Clippers, you know, several teams have tweaked their, their colorways where I think if you looked at around the league like four or five years ago, more teams were some variation of red and blue. But you, you have the Pistons who, uh, you know, have won a few championships have been one of the more iconic NBA franchises historically. And, you know, they're right there with red and blue. You also have the Philadelphia 76ers who went back to their red and blue uh, roots earlier in the decade and also are are one of the more iconic NBA franchises with multiple championships. And really, in my opinion, maybe the best jerseys in the league or, you know, up there with their logo and jerseys and branding. Like uh, I think the Sixers are, you know, just absolutely brilliant with that stuff. So, Part of me is like, I do kind of think, you know, again, if if you don't want to change the name, that, that that's fine. But part of me is like, maybe you do change the colors. Um, 
you know, I had suggested in my mailbag that they should go back to the baby blue, uh, which they wore, the, uh, I think it was the 2011-12 season. They wore uh, throwback jerseys to the LA Stars, uh, you know, an old jersey that they had had uh, in the 80s. And it was a baby blue and red jersey. I thought those were really clean, looked really good. But I'm with you, though. I, I would even take it a step further and go back to, um, you know, some of the San Diego roots where it was the, uh, you know, the baby blue and an orange look. And, and you know, I, I think that would be, you know, those two colors, when I see them, at least, I kind of immediately think of the, those San Diego Clippers. And there isn't really, you know, there are some some notable blue and orange teams, like, you know, off the top of my head, obviously the Broncos stand out. But really, in the NBA, there is no other blue and orange team. Um, you know, or, orange is, I think, a, a unique color that kind of stands out a lot. And I, I just think that kind of going to that look, like you said, it's not really necessarily on brand with like the tough blue collar hard notes. Like you don't really think of baby blue and orange as that. But I think there's a gap in the league right now where once the Nuggets switched away from baby blue, uh, I don't think anyone in the league has baby blue as like a primary color. So you you can take that. You could take the orange. Uh, you could also maybe have like navy as your uh, kind of third color and, and kind of bounce around between navy, baby blue, and orange. And just to me, I think that maybe is like the palette cleanse of all right. Well, you're not you're not changing the name, but you're at least changing kind of everything else uh, and sort of going maybe an ode to the to San Diego, an ode to the past. Because the, the other truth is like you know the, part of the reason, the only other reason I would want to change the name is because you know. Clippers and, and Clipper ships, whatever, like that is more associated with San Diego. Um, and, and I think there are certain teams, like again, going back to the Lakers, like there are not many lakes in Los Angeles, but <laughs> they've won so many titles and it's such an iconic brand that you you have to, you know, you can't change the name Lakers. And even the Jazz, I mean, the Jazz probably should have changed and, and New Orleans got that back. But, you know, even the Jazz have had their own, you know, finals trips and, and kind of Malone and Stockton are all timers and, and, you know, uh, I just think that basically for me, th- there needs to be some type of palette change, whether it's completely changing the branding, uh, completely changing the the logo, completely changing the colors, some type of difference to me where it's like, it just feels like a new era versus just entering a new arena. So to me, that would probably be a completely new logo, completely new font on the jerseys and completely new colors, which to me, I think the baby blue and orange would make a lot of sense. Yeah, it, it's funny. Like like you said, like it, it's hard to imagine Pat Bev talking trash wearing baby blue. <laughs> it just doesn't feel right for whatever reason. Um, yeah. it's, so it's, it's that weird moment where they're kind of sitting on a goldmine palette, which is that that baby blue and orange is very unique um, and it's very iconic. And I don't know, like, uh, look, let's be real. We're entering a new phase of Clipper fans where – I mean, if you're a 10 to 15 year old, like you probably started with the Blake era. So you don't have, you may not have the the San Diego history. You'll probably ask someone at some point, why are they called the Clippers? And you'll get the whole, like, like there's not a lot of Grizzlies running around Memphis as far as I know. Like it's, <laughs> it's the whole, it, we see the, the holdover franchise name for obvious reasons. Um, I mean, something I'd be interested in is, is I do, it's real simple association with the blue collar and the blue colorway. Like I do wonder if there's some version of what the bucks did where when the bucks rebranded and I think they, to me, they did an absolutely sensational job um, when they went to the, yeah. the current colors, the current logo, it helps that you got a guy who looks like a damn Greek God wearing your Jersey. Like no one looks better <laughs> in a basketball uniform than Giannis Antetokounmpo, but the way that they added, they took out the red 
went away from that Christmassy um, and inserted the cream. So it's that green and cream colorway. Yeah. It just looks sharp. So I do wonder if there's some version of adjusting the Clippers palette that either keeps the blue. Um, I'd love to personally see them explore the black. I, I just don't like it with the – I've never liked logo jerseys. Like that used to be a Christmas Day staple. Like give me a give me mm-hmm. a word jersey over a logo any day of the week. I wonder if there's some play where like what if the Clippers introduce black as an official colorway? What if they introduce more of like a medium gray? Or, or I would love to hear – other creatives like with color theory, like based on what the kind of the mindset of the team is, what colors do we psychologically associate um, with that type of mindset? So maybe you keep some of the blue. Maybe we go with a little more black. Maybe it's more gray. Maybe it is the red, white, and blue because that's kind of – it just kind of fits – I mean the country overall. We won't even get into that side of things. But it, it could <laughs> be a lot of things. It's just – it's there is – I do wonder if the baby blue and orange, which are – beautiful but old school fit with the current team and if they're the direction you want to go if you're building towards a future that maybe doesn't even want to acknowledge the past like at this point is there value in acknowledging who the clippers were or do we want to clean like to your point do we want a clean slate start where this is everything everything is brand new as of today let's stop talking about clippers history let's talk about clippers future yeah and and you also got to think like I I don't know how much they stumbled into this identity versus that was kind of a conscious decision. I think it was a little bit of both, but you got to think like, you know, hopefully for them, they have this core, this kind of identity, a lot of these guys for the next five to seven years, but kind of outside of that, like, you know, how how much do you, they're not, I guess what I'm saying is, you know, like the, the bad boys Pistons was an era, but it also was an era. And like, you know, it was nice to kind of see that, recreated with with sheed and ben wallace and chauncey and, and all those guys but you know it's not like the pistons have had like 30 straight years of of you know bad boy pistons and and um you know tough teams and all the stuff and similar with the knicks where like you know the 90s knicks were um you know kind of their their own brand and identity and then you, you kind of got into the last yeah. 20 years of of madness but uh you know i guess blue and orange that kind of starts to go into the the knicks realm of things i hadn't really thought of that although this would be baby blue and that kind of almost like a lighter shade of orange but i I don't know i guess also for me like i'm a fan of red more than blue so uh i actually liked that for a lot of the 2000s you know those clippers teams were you know the jerseys were red with you know kind of blue accents and and then they implemented the alternate blue jersey with the los angeles cursive but uh for the most part it really they they played more into the red than the blue and and then it seems like this decade that's kind of flipped where uh they've played more into the blue than the red but uh you know we we could probably talk about this for an hour but i guess i think we're both in agreement here to, to varying degrees it's just they have to figure it out but but to me uh it's got to be some kind of variation of like you either completely change the the font and the branding and, and logo or you change the colors or, or maybe both but i think you shouldn't and you know if you're, if you're starting a new arena uh and kind of this whole new era of, of clippers basketball or you know whatever team name they're going to go with like i do think you, you need to make some some significant updates and it's kind of the one time you can do that like we see it all the time where teams will rebrand They'll change their name. They'll change their colors, and there's always backlash. Like I, I think the most notable one was the Pelicans. You know, recently where they went from the Hornets to the Pelicans. No one liked the name Pelicans. 
Then they did their colors and, and it was kind of split on some people liked the colors, some people didn't. Then they had their, you know, their scary baby mascot. <laughs> that they had like the, the the pelican mascot. It was just like, it was kind of a, I wouldn't say disaster, but it, it didn't go great. Uh, I'll put it that way. And uh, I think if you're the Clippers, like, you know, I, I know like we might like it or, or Clipper fans might like certain things, but pretty much across the league, like most people would put the Clippers logo and branding as like, you know, bottom, like, like it's kind of like the thunder are the worst. And then like the Clippers are right there with them. Like nobody likes the font. Nobody likes the logo. Um, you know, colors are fine, but I, I do think that there needs to be some type of, uh, update on that. Uh, you know, just moving into a new arena and and it's a clean, you know, slate for where you could change anything and kind of have the excuse of, well, we have a new arena, so that's why we're doing it. And, And it's kind of a, I just think it's a fresh start. Yeah, it's 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 funny because like a new arena, fresh start. Like like the reality of it is, it's about the Clippers' future. Um, and and I'm glad that we have people like you, me, and I'm sure everybody listening to this podcast where we're we're these long term Clipper fans. Um, but it, it is really about who is the next batch of Clipper fans and what does that mean and and who do we want to be going forward. That new arena moment is just such a perfect time if we're going to do a straight redefine of, of everything. You do it now, um, and I think that's the the kind of the weird situation the Clippers, the the weird but envious situation the Clippers have, is they have naturally started to build this new brand again based on that hard working, and I think that can become something even wider where it's more of an everyman mindset. Like I, I think something we saw as Steph Curry's personal brand developed was I, I can't speak for everybody, but. Being a Los Angeles native, I was shocked how many Steph Curry jerseys I saw on kids running around Los Angeles. That didn't used to happen. Like during the Kobe era, it was just Kobe jerseys or, I mean, a handful of other players. But I think Steph was able to build something really special for himself. I mean, one of the greatest shooters of all time on one of the greatest teams of all time. But he's a little guy who has a skill that people want, which is three-point shooting. It felt accessible to think about Steph that way. I think the Clippers have that same type of appeal right now where it's a bunch of guys who just work their ass off to be in the NBA, guys who weren't picked in the first round, guys who barely made the league. Um, I mean, PG coming from Fresno State, like Kawhi and his background not being the very quiet guy where no one's entirely sure what to do with him. Like this is something where I think – kids and new fans can see themselves in these players with the passion and the fire and the, and just the love for basketball in a way that encourages new fans to come up through the team. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, the, the thing we we've kind of touched on now multiple times is that ultimately winning kind of solves these things and figures them out. And it, it's sort of like, you know, if the Clippers win a championship or two championships or multiple championships, you know, they will get the fans that, you know, they, there will be mm-hmm. people on the Clippers bandwagon, maybe not in LA as, as much as they would like, but nationally, you know, you will see the, the Kawhi jerseys, the Paul George jerseys, um, you know, a, a, across the country. And you'll start seeing on the road, the Clippers being a, a major draw. So I think at the end of the day, uh, you know, there are definitely, I think practices that, that they can take and implement and, and sort of execute, uh, in an intelligent way and in kind of t- to help things. But if they win a championship, like it'll figure itself out. And even if they don't make any changes and just keep Clippers name, the same colors, the same logo and branding, like all that stuff, if they win a title or two, like that, that'll kind of all be fixed. If they don't, then I think they probably have to get a little more strategic. Uh, again, I still think that there's some pain and, and kind of a stigma associated with the name, 
on a national scale that it probably needs to be somewhat fixed and addressed. Uh, again, maybe through a title, but also potentially through a name change or, or a rebranding of some sort. But um, you know, I, I think that's something we're going to see kind of in the coming years. Like, this is going to be a five-year plan almost of you know, do they win the title? Um, you know, do they make any tweaks in the meantime? Like who knows in a couple of years, they could have their own kind of premature rebrand, uh, rebrand before they move and kind of get fans excited a couple of years, um, you know, heading into the new arena. But now let's, let's transition into something that we talked about a little bit earlier, but today it's Sunday night right now, 9 20 PM tomorrow is Monday, August 12th, 2019. And five years ago, uh, to the day uh, on August 12th, Steve Ballmer purchased the Clippers for a record $2.2 billion. Uh, and a lot has changed since then. Uh, you know, that was, I mean, it's so long ago, you, you forget, like back then, Doc was, was running the front office. Uh, Chris, Blake, and DJ were all on the team. They had yet to blow the, the Houston series, they had yet to have the disappointing Portland and Utah series that were both ended, at least in my opinion, due to injury and kind of prematurely. And, and that was unfortunate. Uh, but, you know, a lot has changed, you know, Kawhi, PG, you know, the last couple of years, um, you know, the, the Avery Bradley. Uh, who's, <laughs> <laughs> Avery Bradley, like, our godsend. <laughs> so much is so much has changed. And, uh, you know, I just think as we kind of touched on, like Steve's done an amazing job. Um, you know, it, it's look, Going from Donald Sterling to anybody, literally going to from Donald Sterling to pick a random person <laughs> off of the street, and and that's an upgrade. But to to go to Steve Ballmer, that you know the the wealthiest owner in North America, uh, you know in team sports, um, the nineteenth richest person in the country, you know in the world, uh, you know uh, someone who we see from his, uh, you know whether it's his, his press conferences or just the way he reacts in game and, and, you know, in his courtside seats uh, on the baseline, like this is someone who really cares, who's really passionate and, you know, clearly has a lot of success, you know, to be a top 20, uh, you know, richest person in, in the world. Uh, you, you gotta be a little bit smart at least. And I think as you kind of mentioned, that kind of gets lost in, in the whole bomber narrative is, you know, people kind of just throw out Microsoft and, uh, you know, it, it is viral, uh, you know, speeches and all this different stuff. But like, dude's a genius. Like you don't get that much money, uh, but by not being basically a genius. So I think you've seen his imprint and, and footprint uh, all over the Clippers and especially the last two to three years when they've really, I think, hit their stride and, and hit their growth. But I just want to ask you as someone who has been a fan for 15 years, who, who did, you know, have the Sterling era for, oh, for 10 of those 15 sure years. Did. Um, you know, what, what, what have you enjoyed most about Bomber and, and what has really stood out to you, um, you know, over the last five years and, and really been kind of the, the the moment or two that that you've really just been like, wow, I can't believe we have this guy as our owner. Yeah, I mean, like you said, like the Donald Sterling era was rough. I mean, when he's like literally berating our own players on the court and, and that's just the ones whose names he can remember. Um, it was it was just the worst having Sterling there, and it, it made it hard to be a fan at times. Um, but with Balmer, I mean, like five years, like I, I really think he he has done a masterful job with this team. Like he inherited a team that was a a fringe contender that had star power, um, and he didn't screw it up. Didn't come in and make a bunch of a ch- bunch of changes. Um, it wasn't a 
a Vivek situation where we immediately start to feel what that guy wants to do. Like he came in and saw what he had and let it run its course, um, which the reality was is the Clippers weren't going to win a championship with that team. Um, and had to make some deals that maybe we did promise Blake early on that he was going to be our guy forever. Um, but it takes a lot of courage. <laughs> it takes a lot of courage to do what he did. The shirts. To, the shirts yeah. His I mean, pioneer. don't get me wrong. It's not great. Like, it wasn't great. But, like, as a <laughs> businessman looking towards the future, like, like, I really respect how he handled disassembling uh, the CP3 era, the Blake era, like th- those were good trades. Like we got good value out of those. Um, and we set ourselves up for something really strong. Like I think, I mean, I give Doc a lot of credit. I, I blamed Doc a lot during the years of Lob City not performing. And I've completely changed my tune on that. He's an awful front front office manager. He's truly a terrible GM. But I do think he's an exceptional coach. Um, and for Doc to be able to to give up that role to do what he does best, like that's another thing that not a lot of people could do. So the combination of, of what Steve has done to kind of give the tools that we need to build a new team, make the operational changes that need to happen, um, empower Doc in the right ways, make some changes uh, like everywhere that needs to happen, like it, it's pretty special. Like, and you can see that set up this summer. Like, Kawhi clearly wanted to come here. Like, reading your own report on the Athletic, reading as much as much as possible about how set up we are for success right now. Um, thank you. We outbid. It was a great piece. I really enjoyed it. Like, but it, we've already forgotten that the Clipper, a player chose the Clippers over the Lakers. Like that is a colossal deal. Free agency in the NBA is one of the hardest moments for every team summer. Like how many teams we see clear out cap space and never get anybody. How many years did Mark Cuban strike out even when he won a championship to go get the star guy? Finally, like thought he finally did it with DJ and then had DJ Renegade and come back. Like it, free agency is extremely hard. Um, and the a Knicks. player chose the Clippers, the Knicks. I mean, the Knicks is just like for years now, like Amari for 20 <laughs> games basically is what it felt like. But uh, no, I mean, to a, an NBA superstar, a finals MVP chose the Clippers over the Lakers. And if that's not the validation that, that you need for Balmer and what this organization has become, I don't know what is. No, I, I couldn't agree more. Like for me, I, I think it, it's been just the, the stuff behind the scenes that the, the fans don't necessarily see and, and just kind of hearing some of the stories of, you know, how much Bomber has invested. And, and really, uh, again, uh, you know, I, I know you kind of said it earlier in the podcast, uh, like it, it took him a year or two to kind of figure this out. And, and of course it will, because being an owner of an NBA team is unlike any job, uh, you know, or a sports team, I guess, like any job in America, in the world, like it, it's just so different, no matter what type of business experience you have, um, you know, nothing can pre- really prepare you for that. Uh, so that's where you rely on your advisors and, and you know people in the organization to help you understand certain things because you know this is not not again it's not like any kind of business in in the world really just because there's so many factors that go into it and so many things where you need experts that you know like for for as much as Bomber might have thought he knew about basketball in 2014. He did not know anywhere near as much as Doc. And, you know, despite Doc's shortcomings as a, you know, general manager or president of basketball operations, uh, like, you know, he knows way, you know, so he had to rely on him to a certain extent. And, like, I just think that, you know, since he's figured it out, which it, it did seem like 
it's kind of around 2016, 2017. Uh, he, I think he's just done a, an amazing job. And I think he, he's empowered the right people. Uh, I think you look at the front office and just the, the, how big the front office is. It, it's one of the biggest front offices, uh, you know, in the NBA. And, you know, you have these interesting dynamics where, um, you know, J- like Jerry West is only a consultant and seems to kind of get all the credit for every move that is made, even though he's not necessarily the day-to-day person like a Lawrence Frank uh, or like a Michael Winger, but there, there really are just no egos in that front office. And you've seen guys turn down, you know, better positions, uh, both in terms of, uh, you know, the, the position name and, and in terms of salary to stay with the Clippers. And I just think that they've really built this culture over the last two years that, that is special. It's legitimate. And I do think that the Kawhi and Paul George uh, acquisitions were the culmination of that. And, and you saw that in, in their introductory press conference where both guys cited the Clippers culture as something that attracted them to the Clippers. And that's some, not anything you would have ever heard. Like I, I've been saying this now kind of multiple times recently where like the Lob City era, they kind of lucked into that. Like they were so bad that they got the number one pick to get Blake Griffin. Uh, DeAndre Jordan uh, just kind of randomly hit as a second round prospect and really was a guy who was projected to go into the lottery heading into that season, just had such a terrible freshman year that he dropped to the second round and the Clippers were able to get him. Uh, and then Chris Paul wanted to go to the Lakers. Like that, that's the thing yeah. you know, no one ever talks about. Like he wanted to go to the Lakers that got blocked by the NBA. And then he ended up being rerouted to the Clippers. So like they almost entirely lucked into that whole big three era, the, the whole lob city era. And it was a great era, but that wasn't because the Clippers were a good franchise. That was just because, you know, multiple dominoes fell their way. Uh, But I I think now, you know, getting Kawhi Leonard, getting Paul George, that is completely because they are such a good franchise right now and and have been for the last few years and, you know, probably extending to five. So uh, to me... I just think it's it's been all the stuff behind the scenes he's done, you know, investing in uh, the, the the training staff, the the player development, the front office, uh, you know, the coaching staff, um, you know, just on and on and on. You know, they're, they're renovating their practice facility right now. They're going to have a a new arena in 2024 that is being completely privately funded. Uh, you know, no public money in that. Uh, and they're going to, you know, have, have a park uh, in the basketball complex and, um, you know, giving back a, l- a lot to the, the city of Inglewood. They're, they're doing that court renovation kind of across, uh, you know, almost 300 courts uh, across L.A. So, like, you know, Bomber is really investing in, in the Clippers. He's investing in Los Angeles. And I think when you have the guy who has the deepest pockets in the league, you're going to win a lot of those battles anytime you're going head to head for for certain things, uh, you know, against different teams. So, to me, I just really think, you know, from from the top down, everything has improved under him, and you know, he he deserves credit on, on this day. Yeah, I mean, it's like you said, like just creating something that players wanted to come to. I mean, we've all seen the the Durant stories about when he first joined the Warriors. That so much of the players' pitch was just like, just come and hoop with us. And it feels like the Clippers kind of have a, a similar version of that and attracted two superstars, Kawhi and Paul George, to come to this team. Like, the, like these are human guys. Like, some of them just want to play ball and be part of something special organizationally. And it's not about, like, being in a movie or whatever. So, I, I think they've just built something that is appealing. I think Kawhi and PG coming to the team is going to be – 
tremendous validation for the rest of the league. Like I'm curious to see over the next five years, what other free agents decide to come to the Clippers? Like what vets are they going to sign over the next couple of years to flesh out the roster? Like when the, when the good old buyout season happens in February, are we going to pick up another player because they're very excited to be part of this team and who they are and what Balmer represents? Cause we see the other side of it. We, we mentioned it for a second, but no one went to the Knicks. No one's ever gone to the Knicks. Um, and a big part of, of what people <laughs> quote for that is Dolan. People don't want to be part of that. Like, like we're hearing now more and more that LeBron and Wade were all set to go to the Knicks and the Heatles wasn't going to happen in Miami. It was going to be in New York, but Dolan messed it up. We're hearing some now that Dolan may have messed up this summer with Durant Kyrie. Obviously, that was affected by the injury, but – it's clear that players are paying attention to like which organizations like and, and which companies do they want to be part of. No, we're, we're, we're fully in agreement here. It's been a little over an hour. So I, I think, you know, is there anything else you want, you wanted to touch on that we didn't get into uh, whether about the branding bomber, uh, the logo, anything? No, I mean, I, I'm just so excited. Like, like it's just such a bright moment and it's, it's such a, interesting it's as a clipper fan to be able to confidently walk around town and tell my friends like we're gonna win the title and say that like with such strong appreciation for our team and not have laker fans like call me an idiot or scream at me or laugh at me like yeah so i'll get again i'll have some moron yell 16 banners at me but like everyone's like nope clippers are legit that team's really, really good. And it, Laker fans, even my hardcore Laker fans, like, don't get me wrong, we're great too, but, like, the Clippers are good. And it's very real. Like, I think what the thing that me and uh, – I mean, I've been a – I'm a known Clipper fan among my work friends, my my casual friends, um, and the talks have been frequent recently. And I think the thing that we're all rooting for um, is a Western Conference Clippers-Lakers finals, which will mean so much to both organizations. It will mean so much to what they represent and how LA treats both teams. Like It feels like that's the thing that we all need to happen to see how this story plays out. Yeah, no. Uh, it's funny that you said you're able to confidently talk about the Clippers because I have just been bombarded with with tweets from Lakers fans nonstop the past like month and a half, even before the Kawhi and Paul George thing. It seemed like once they got Anthony Davis, it's just been anything I tweet about the Clippers, I get at least one to two Laker fans, if not more, uh, just just kind of bashing me when I'm like, I I don't know what to tell you. I, I covered the team. Like, I, I don't know what you want from me. But uh, with, with the schedule, I think this is a timely question. With the schedule coming out tomorrow, uh, you know, we're going to see the 41 home games, 41 road games. What is your most anticipated Clippers home game for next season? The game that you will have to be at, you do not want to miss. Uh, what's that for you right now? I mean, obviously, you don't know what it's going to depend on what day of the week or, or you know whether you're traveling or whatever. But like tentatively heading into tomorrow. What is your can't miss game of next season? I mean, it, it's, I already said it. It's going to be the Lakers matchup. Now, I, I do okay. throw the caveat in there. Of so that's the opening night? Opening night, I will for sure be there. I'm very excited about it. Um, okay. I throw out the caveat of because of low management, I'm curious how much we're going to know about this Clipper team until kind of 2020 almost. Um, and I'm curious if PG yeah. is really going to be back on the first day. 
So we'll see. Like it's definitely like the Lakers matchup is the one that I care the most about. I truly believe that the Clippers and Lakers are the two best teams in the West. I don't know if either will finish top of conference. I actually don't think they will. I think a Denver or a Portland or somebody else will will play the regular season extremely hard. While you see like Kawhi and PG play sixty to sixty five games, while you see LeBron and AD do kind of the same things. But to me, that this whole season as an L.A. native is about how do we get to the Western Conference Finals with both L.A. teams against each other for the first time. So I, I will be part of every one of those matchups. My my boss is the, the most diehard Laker fan, like 30-year fan that I know. So we've already talked about going to, a, to both the Lakers and the Clipper games, both wearing our gear. Like I'm very excited about it. <laughs> All right, man. Well, this was fun. I'm glad we finally got the podcast. You know, it's been a long time coming. I also don't think this will be our, our you know, final podcast together. I think we'll we'll be able to do a lot more of this in the future. So, um, you know, that's kind of a a, a little bit of a sneak peek <laughs> of you know so something I know you're working on uh, that you know we we don't have to get into, but unless you yeah, want to, no. But, I mean, um, it's it's. Uh, I've wanted to do a lot more of basketball for a long time. I've worked in advertising with the various kind of tech stuff. Um, and I've got some personal things I'm launching. So like you mentioned my Twitter earlier, um, there's more and more basketball stuff that's be coming out from that. Uh, not just Clippers, but NBA overall related. Um, so that's at Juicebox CA on Twitter and Instagram. But uh, there's a lot more basketball stuff coming, I think, from, from me, from you, from the combination of us. Um, it's going to be fun. It's going to be a good year, good season. Yes, sir. Anything you want to plug before we go? Oh, no, I've already said social. That's that's the big one. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, honestly, you ever want to get a coffee, talk Clippers, I'm, I'm the guy. That's it. Give me a shout. I'm, I'm a big fan and I'm always glad to meet other Clipper fans. Are, are the DMs open? The DMs are the DMs are always open. I, I, it'll take me like a week to get back <laughs> okay. to you because I'm that guy, but they're always open. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, thank you to Jack. What? Okay. One thing I got to know. Uh, oh which I, I feel like you've probably talked about this before, but I, I don't, I don't know the answer. Where, where did the juice box CA <laughs> handle come from? Um, okay. Shortest version of this possible. Um, I had a different handle about five years ago. And then in a weird moment, I had a, I used to be a music journalist. I critiqued a band very lightly and that band sent all hundred thousand of their Twitter fans after me. So I abandoned my old <laughs> handle um, I spent like two days getting destroyed on Twitter. It was not fun. Do not recommend. Uh, and I needed a new name. So my full name is Jack Appleby. Uh, I played college ball. My teammates called me Juice because it went from Jack Appleby to Jack Apple Juice to Jack Juice to Juice. Um, and then my brother's nickname for a long time has been Lunchbox, which is a whole different story. So I needed something. Uh, I threw Juice Box in there. A lot of bands use kind of your state designation to to show who you are. So Juice Box CA came off the tongue well. Uh, it was available on every social network as well as Xbox and PlayStation, which is important to me. So Juice Box CA has stuck. I, I like it. You know, like I, I think um, for, for me, fortunately, no, <laughs> there was no other Yovan Buha uh, to, to kind of battle with for my name. But um, I feel like it's, it's nice to have, you know, if you're not going to have your, your, your full name or, or don't, or just don't want it. Like it's nice to kind of have something that people know you by. So I feel like you, you've carved out that, um, you know, people say juice box CA or, I mean, I, I guess I've never heard someone yeah. say it in person, but like, I feel it like people, I've seen it on, you know, it's, it, it's, it's been referenced on Twitter and stuff where I think you, you've kind of built that out where like people know what that is. Yeah. I appreciate that. It, and it does happen. I have, I have been called juice box in person. It is a thing. Um, it, it's fun. Okay. It's yeah, it's, it's silly, but it's fun. And it's part of who I am now. So 
on it goes. All right, man. Well, thank you for your time. I, I really appreciate it on this Sunday night. Uh, I'm going to catch up on the new episode of Succession. Looking forward to that. Yes. Uh, but <laughs> thank you to Jack. Uh, again, follow him on Instagram and Twitter at JuiceboxCA. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Jovan Buha. That is at J-O-V-A-N-B-U-H-A. Uh, as always, please be sure to subscribe to The Athletic. You can subscribe for a one-week free trial. Uh, if you like it, you can keep subscribing. If you don't, you can unsubscribe, but I highly recommend that. Uh, subscription price right now is about three or four bucks a month, so I, I recommend. Also, clicking on one of my articles and subscribing off of one of those uh, to help me out uh, if you enjoy this podcast. And last but not least, uh, certainly most important, Subscribe to this podcast wherever you get your podcasts, uh, Apple Music, Spotify, Stitcher, on and on. Uh, you could search Clip City or Blue Wire, or if you're listening to it right now, you know you could just subscribe on, uh, on whatever uh, you're listening on. So thank you guys very much for listening. As always, uh, I will be back next week on Tuesday uh, before I'm out of office for a couple of weeks going to Europe. Looking forward to that trip. Uh, so... After this episode, I will have one more episode before a two-week vacation, and then I'll be back after that. So thank you guys, and talk to you next week.